Hey everybody, welcome back to podcast number 11. We have the regulars Tim Dexter Wiseman, Adam Weber, and special guest Mike LeCousier, 2017 WCB Tour champion. So first topic we're going to come up with is we had an Alberta Masters weekend. The first day we played in Stetler, Alberta at Heartland Bowl. Mike LeCousier was the winner of that at, with a 23.91 for eight games. And Tim Wiseman won the Sunday at Heritage Lanes in Red Deer with a 24.50. So the way it's kind of setting up, the team's filling out pretty quick, and it's looking like uh, 8,800 or even 8,900 is going to be the cut line for the best four tournaments. How's that? Uh, do you guys agree with that, or do you think it's going to be higher with going into Calgary? Well, I definitely think with uh, the, the small change of venue for the Sunday, in Calgary, I think that opens it up a little bit more uh, with the potential or the unknown, I guess, of Mountain View. And now that's switching over to Chinook. Uh, I, I, I definitely think it's going to be high 88 minimum, uh, if not creep to 8,900, which is a pretty insane number. I think already there's, what, five guys over 8,800? Yeah. Which yeah. is uh, just, just a ridiculous number through four events. Probably only, you know, four or five guys who have a shot for that last, you know, spot or two. Yeah, as of right now, it's looking like uh, Bradley Tightgat is sitting um, in the final spot with 87.38, and Victor is just above him with 88.04, and then me with 88.12. But, I mean, after that, you have Schultz, you have um, Carey, you have Eric Christensen. Um, They all have, you know, 8,500s. Uh, but their best threes are ranging between 85 and a quarter to just under 6,600. Um, so, I mean, they're within striking distance, too. They, they're going to have to have good weekends. They're going to be shooting. You're, gonna, you're forcing yourself to shoot 4,400, 4,450, 4,500 uh, for your last two. But with us all playing Paradise pretty regularly, um, who knows? The scoring is going to be good. In paradise, and the Chinook is looking like it's playing well right now too. So um, there's definitely those three guys that we have to look at that are, have a good opportunity to make it. And then, and then you have like you know Gary Baird, who you can never rule out, um, but he's going to have to shoot, you know, 4,600 to solidify a spot. Yeah, the the guys have uh, really really tightened up in the last the last two tournaments for sure. And then, and then, like, then you have Tim, who's like running away with it. You know, he's got ninety-two hundred for his first four. It's a crazy number, man. Well, I thought I, I thought going into the weekend, if I could have got another forty-four hundred, I figured I'd be locked on the tournament. And then, and then after driving home, going, well, my eighty-eight ninety-nine, you know, it, it's not it's not the lock I thought it would be, right? So, I mean, I'm in a good position, yes. But, I mean, like I said, going, I played, uh, well, we've all played Paradise, but I played uh, Chinook at the All Events earlier in November there. I mean, I played really well. I got just virtually just under 2,700, just over 2,700 for my my top three, right? So, going to be fairly will be fairly big there, I think. It's uh, It played really well there. So I may have to 
go get Rick to tighten strings or something for me to help put <laughs> <out> there. <laughs> yeah. What what I'm surprised about is how consistent the top half has been. Like, you know, on, on those teams, like uh, usually have a throwaway in there, in the, in, like in the four, in one of the fours, and then. Uh, but you really look at it; it's a lot of 2100, 2200s with really no throwaways. Uh, you know, Bradley has a 2070 in there. You know, Schultz is a 1900. Carrier has a 1900 in there, and that's expected. You usually, have one of the three, one of the four you play already is usually a throwaway, not not all keepers. So that's kind of like a little bit of skewed, I think. But uh, uh, it's it's pretty cool to watch. And uh, Stetler played well. I know how well Mike played. Other than the one game where he couldn't figure out his feet for five games, I played well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, it, it was phenomenal. Like, uh, not nothing against Robert or Stetler. You didn't expect those scores to be in there, right? I look back when I was singles would be four years ago when I got second there to Eric, uh, sorry, Colin Christensen. I shot twenty eighty three for for second. Now that put me, I shot twenty one hundred for seventh or sixth. So. Obviously, you know, uh, either the caliber is there or better, I think it is. We all playing better. Um, it's maybe not so indicative to the house. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. I mean, so, yeah, going back to, like, you talking about, like, no throwaways. Um, if you look at the uh, the top six players right now, um, you have uh, four tournaments for each of them. So there's 24 tournaments. There's only four that are under 2,100 and none under 2,000. Not under 2050. Um, so really, like, no no bad tournaments at all. And, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think we're kind of in a position now where, like, you know, I, I, I credit a lot of it to, like, WCBT and all that sort of stuff is that we're, we're in a position where we need to play well all the time. And uh, I think we're sort of forcing ourselves to be better because we have no option. If you want to make anything, you have to be better at this point. You have to be sharp. So I, I think... Uh, I think the pinfall has improved in a lot of places, but I definitely think that the the talent pool has gotten better just out of pure necessity. We'll just flip to the ladies' side really quick. So on the weekend, uh, Diane Violini won in Old Alberta at Bowl, and then Kelsey Wilton won at Heritage Lanes on the Saturday. And so that team consists of Jennifer Baker as the single, Shauna LaPerry second, Bonnie McDonald third, Jennifer Smith slash Marshall as fourth, Diane Violini fifth, and Tracy Smith sixth. Uh, pretty strong, uh, stellar team so far, definitely. Look at is that Kelsey's only had played three tournaments, right? Yeah, right. So that, that puts a, a big mix into that too. So right, I mean exactly because if you look at uh, if you look at fifth place on the team right now, which is Tracy Smith. She has 77.62 uh, for her four. And Kelsey Lynn's only played six event and events, and she's got 64.50 yeah, for her three. For best three, she's only 114 points behind Jen Baker. So Yeah, so exactly. Kelsey's sitting in a really good position. So she technically, if you were to just take three, she would definitely be on the team. Right. I mean, even if you look at uh, Annette Campbell, who's only played three events too, she's got fifty nine seventy seven for three. So she's she's only eighteen hundred out of a, a team spot at the moment too. Yeah. Right. So uh, that's uh, I think the ladies uh, there's there could be some movement yet for sure. Um, Heidi Mapstone has got seventy seven hundred with a seventeen hundred as her throwaway. Um, lots of room for improvement on that one, especially again going into places like Paradise and Chinook. 
So yeah. where there was almost a perfect game last week. Oh yeah. A week a week today, right? Yeah, Rick. I think it was right. Yep. Little little thin right pocket last shot. Ah, uh, yeah, that, that could have been an easy, easy, perfect. That was pretty. Crazy. The shot that needs to be yeah, an inch left or an inch right, and that probably goes. Yeah. Just in that little death zone. So, what do you guys think uh, the the entries are going to be for for the final two tournaments? It definitely sounds like there's a lot of room for for a lot of the ladies in there. Um, probably not as many men. You know what? I, last fence? I think you're going to see more entries than you think. I honestly think that combined between the two of them, you're going to see 30 people. Because I looked, I looked at this, uh, at least for day one, anyways. But uh, majority of the ladies are going to play. Uh, I, 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 don't know, I don't know if Michelle Manton plays, but Christine Pota didn't play the last one because of injury. But I think she will play if she's healthy in time. Alicia Christensen, I'm not sure, but we'll find out. Um, Annette, I'm assuming, will play, considering she's in a good position. Uh, Kelsey Lynn will play. Uh, Alyssa will, will probably play. Um, Holly Warner, you know what? She's got two good tournaments in there for sure. She'll probably play. There's no way Pam doesn't play. There's no way Heidi. So uh, I'm going to say probably 12 ladies for sure. The guy side is interesting because there's a few people that have like messaged and said that they're already going to play regardless of the situation that they're in. Yeah. So, like, Sean, Sean McKinnon is going to play without question. He's going to play. Um, Gino's playing no matter what. Yeah, there's no way Gino doesn't play. Um, I'm assuming Hal- John Yeah, he already said he's going to play too, definitely. Um, I don't know about, like, Darren Price or, you know, Robert Clark. Uh, but, I mean, then you think uh, Brad Wilton said he's going to play. Right. He, he doesn't, right? So, um, it, it helps. It's kind of three weeks before the Open Provincials, too, if a lot of these guys make Open teams, so they'll probably use it as a practice, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, people True. are always always looking for, for a set of stars also, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, truthfully, I think you're going to see probably four, 14 ladies and probably 16 guys, hmm. at least for day one. Yeah. Day two could be a completely different story because the people that need to shoot forty five hundreds or forty six hundreds for two, you know, you that the hard part is is then you start going into paradise and and if you don't shoot twenty one hundred, you're in trouble, right? I mean, sorry, if you if if you do shoot twenty one hundred, you're in trouble. You need you need to shoot twenty two. That's a that's a tough situation to be in. Uh, so I mean, I, I think. Uh, I think you'll see a drop off on Sunday for sure, but I think on the Saturday you probably have thirty people. Well, Paradise also can either give or take, right? If you, if you're playing well, Paradise can score well, and if you're not playing well, well, uh, it can bite you in the ass pretty quick too, right? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. It's one of those, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not as easy as you know we make it out to be sometimes, but you know, it, it can still score well for go and playing right nice and relaxed let yourself play you'll play well and if you're a little tight well you may have a tough time there right so yeah. it'll be interesting to see we'll see how greased up it is too yeah. that's a big thing yeah that's a little insight i heard after talking to gino on monday at uh heritage lanes for our league he was saying that um 
Robert actually decreased the amount of oil. He only put a, a certain amount of oil on the front half, so there was burn off on the back. And I think that's why you've seen the scores really increase. There was a, quite a bit of movement on the back half of the lanes. It was snapping more, for sure it was. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. were getting a lot of, lots of blow-through corners, but uh, you, could, you could rely on that break if you needed it, right? You, you, weren't, mm -hmm. you weren't stranded out to the right if you're in a flare zone and stuff like that, so... I think that's why you've seen guys throwing it in the pocket a lot, and just they're kind of hoping for the for the pinfall. Yeah, we we got a note that uh, Gino helped Robert set up Stetler, so if the pinfall was bad, we got to blame Gino for one. So <laughs> <laughs> make sure he hears it. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, Mikey kissed his ring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you, I found that actually the difference from the last time we played instead of this time was the approaches. That I I found that you get to the shot better, right? Where the time before when we played there, I had a tough time with them, right? And not very often I complain about approaches, but yeah, that was a that was a tough day the last time we played there to this time. Right. Yeah, uh, and I, I I would say the same about Heritage too. Um, we've had a few Masters events there at Heritage where I'm not I'm not 100% sure what I'm going to get in a slide. There's lots of times where, like, you'll, uh, you'll slide up the middle and then you'll slide, you know, to the outside to try, try to go for corner spares and then hammer on the brakes. Um, but uh, the slide was super consistent in, in Heritage, uh, which is awesome. Um, and I honestly, I, I'll never begrudge them for approaches being the way they are. They're probably one of the busiest bowling centers in Canada. So... Uh, it, it's just filled with open play and and people that don't understand all, all the situations that go on with approaches. So um, it's just part of the game. Figure it out. But the approaches were really good on Sunday for Heritage. Especially yeah. on the high side. Because I've always had issues with mm -hmm. the high side and sticking and uh, definitely found those to be you know a little bit more consistent. I also found the scoring to be higher uh, than typically is on that high side, at least for myself. Uh, so I don't know if that was consistent, uh, you know, across the board. Uh, but that is, yeah, Heritage is one tough bird if it's not playing, you know, per, almost perfect for, for conditions. I, I, I thought conditions were fine. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure you did. I, I think the approach is a little faster than what normal was there. So it took me a little bit to get my head wrapped around it and, you know, made a little change and I was all right after, right? But as most of us bowlers are, we're a little stubborn on making changes when you're, when you're playing well, right? So, Yeah, I think they've made a, a conscious effort to really clean the approaches this year because uh, last year at the Tour Championship, we were finding them a little bit sticky and stuff like that. And um, playing league there every Monday, I definitely noticed even on the low side when we so we played on the low side the first third of the year and the approaches were in great shape and it's just carried on throughout the year. So they're definitely taking care of it this year. So. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, I don't, I don't really care how fast or how slow it is. I can make adjustments for that. I just want them to be consistent and that's it. And that's I think that's really what we all ask for any center is just that if they're going to be heavy, let them be heavy. If they're going to be, you know, fast, let them be fast. Just don't be, fast on one lane and heavy on the other because that's how people get injured you know yeah or or play three games in one masters event and throw a gutter 
like 40 feet out in the air. <laughs> yep. <laughs> For those listeners out there, those crickets were because it was Carrie Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Laid up for a month and a half after that one. That was fun. Still made open, though. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so we'll move on from our Masters talk. So um, I might as well hit Mike up with these questions a little bit earlier in this one. So, Mike, who was your uh, bowling mentor growing up? Who did you, uh, I guess, did anybody take you under their wing and teach you the ropes? Or how did that work out for you? Um... No, I mean, for after I got to a certain point, I worked with uh, Tommy a little bit, just uh, Stevenson, um, just to help, uh, just a little bit on consistency in the game, right? Um, I really didn't, because I didn't have the bowling background, so virtually, I how I really got started is I went to go practice when I first started, and the Rose Bowl was on. And the Rose Bowl is a tournament they used to be out of Bonnie Dewey's now the TPC, right? Yeah. And uh, I watched these guys bowl, and I went, I'm pretty sure I can do that. I just, and that's virtual how I, you know, practice so much, and that's how I got where I'm at today, right? Like it was just like I, mean, I really didn't have somebody I wanted to throw the ball like or be like. I just worked at worked at my game and practiced and went from there, right? So oh, I'm very fortunate. I got to be as good as you know as I am today, where I can I can compete with everybody, right? So yeah. that's pretty the whole game for me. So you're saying your bowling mentor is you? Uh, <laughs> sure, if you want to say that. I'm not really, <laughs> I don't have a mentor. We'll say. I, you know, Sounds I, like something Mitch would say. <laughs> eleven for eleven. <laughs> Um, okay, so moving on, uh, what's your favorite tournament? It could be a Masters Open WCBT event. I actually enjoy playing a ball, to be honest with you. I like playing any tournament I can play, I love to play. It doesn't matter if it's a fun little in-house tournament, it don't matter. As long as I get the ball, I just enjoy bowling that much, it doesn't matter which one I play. For wise, like for, let's say, national... I like Masters a little more. Masters is probably my favorite. Because the fact is you're like with five guys and you've virtually got to buck up, right? If you're you're struggling, it's you know pretty much on you to get yourself out of it. So yeah. where if you're the master or open, you can ride somebody's coattail once in a while. <laughs> yes. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, Kate, um, do you have a toughest match? Um, actually, my kid playing my son, even though it's league or whatever, I played him once in a cash tournament, right? But yeah, it's my son. Yeah, is just don't like to lose to him, so I probably the hardest I bear down the most. But yeah, I know it's my playing my kids probably the hardest for me. Who won the match? Me. <laughs> by, <laughs> yeah. by by a lot. Um, I wouldn't say a lot. I'd say probably under hundred. Yeah, no, it's uh. It was fun for me because I won, but. <laughs> and, where, and where was that match, Mike? Uh, it was actually at Collingwood. Um, oh. It was the year 2000, I want to. That was actually the year I went to the finals, so 
2007 or eight. I forget when it was now what it was. But he was fairly young then too. And then so, but it was, uh, it, it, it was fun in a way, but not so much fun to lose your, <laughs> your kids you're trying to bring up in, into the game, right? So. Okay. Um, so what's your arsenal? What's your bowling shoes? What's your bowling balls? Well, bowling balls, I play the missiles from their soft rolls. Um, I've had those since pretty much soft rolls come out. I bought those, yeah, probably at least 10 years, if not longer, I've had them. Um, my shoes are Nikes. I made my own bowling shoes. Um, I've got two pairs. They're the same pair. Both of them are Nikes. And, yeah, that's pretty much it. I don't carry any more balls. I just carry the one set now. I'm not – I was – as everybody knows, I was the king of buying a ball off the rack and not even and throwing it and just going. But yeah, this year I've decided now I'm just going to stick with the two balls I've seen always throw and play with. And I live and die by them now. So no no more big changes. Just live and die with what I got. And 90% of the time it ain't the ball, right? So it took me a long time to learn that. <laughs> it's been good. I you're think welcome. your son is uh, your son is making a killing off your old bowling balls. Uh, well, I, I know I know he's making a killing, but I it's okay. I said he could sell them, so I can't, I can't complain too much at him. <laughs> he's, he's legit like running a black market at this point. <laughs> well, I still I still got a big bucket here yet that he doesn't have. So it's okay. I'm not gonna buy. It's okay. I sold him a set last week, so we're okay. You sold him a set last week? Yeah, we sold him uh, two weeks ago, yeah. Starlines 5-inch 3-8. Oh, yeah, yeah. He said he was buying them. I'm like, I was pretty sure I thought we had those, but no, the ones I had were actually, there were the big Starlines, the Pearls, and they were actually three, they were 311 before it was legal, which I oh. was shocked, so... I always wondered the ones. Remember Mark Jackson? He had those those pearls he threw all the time. I always wondered why they really, you know, like I would ever call them. But it'd be interesting to know what the weight of those really were right? yeah. at the end of the day. So I get uh, I get more worried about weighing people's bowling balls for being too light. It's amazing how many people have no clue that their bowling balls are actually legal. Yeah, I, I, it, it happens all the time. There's that a league. There was a gentleman that came up and asked to have his bowling balls weighed, and because he wanted to order a new set, and they were, you know, four and three quarter, three six. And then his buddy, his buddy asked to get his weighed, and I weighed him. I was like, honestly, I don't, I don't really care that much. It's, it's league, so it's a Friday night fun league, so I don't care. But uh, just so you know, these are completely illegal. What do, you, what do you mean? Well, they're three pounds two ounces, so. <laughs> They probably haven't been legal in like four years, so <laughs> yeah. Probably why he, w he was looking at buying new ones. He wasn't scoring worth crap with them. Either that, or I lied to him so that he would buy new ones. <laughs> <laughs> Good businessman, right there. Yeah. yeah. Sounds Rude. sounds like a wise man. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, last question for you, Mikey, before we move on to our next topic. Um, what would you do to improve the current situation of the sport? Is there anything that you um, have in mind to improve it? Oh, I, I have lots of ideas to improve it. <laughs> um, uh, a little bit is 
I mean, kids nowadays is what they're to keep their attention span into play, right? Hard to do. Uh, don't get me wrong. Um, it's more, you know, it's it's hard to go to the schools now. Like they don't want you. We wouldn't let you go into a school and talk to them about bringing, you know, kids into YBC or you know the kids. I mean, how how many YBC kids now? And I mean, I'm very. I'm I'm out of the coaching of YBC, but how how many YBC kids actually are there to bowl? It's a social aspect for them, right? So, and the problem is, is that you get coaches out there that harp on them. You know, you need to focus. You need to do this. You need to do that. Well, do they really? You know, if, if they want to take the sport serious, let them take it serious. So let them enjoy the social aspect. Like for a lot of the, well, I mean, what what percentages of um, the high, let's say the top level bowlers like we are, to the average, you know, bowl once a week, go have fun, drink some beers, bowlers that are out there, right? How, how many of those kids get to enjoy that as they go on? They don't want to play the big tournaments and that. So do they really have to be pushed? Why yeah. can't we make it more enjoyable for them? Correct. And the problem is, it's not it's it's not brought to them in that in that way. Um, I go down to bowling out like when I'm in Calgary. I've gone down a couple times just before practicing, but go like an hour early and watch the kids and watch the parents of these kids. Uh, and we still have the same problem we have in all the other sports: parents trying to live through the kids in a sport. You know, the kids out there trying, and if he's having fun, let him have fun. Whatever happens, happens. I mean, I'm very fortunate on my end where I learned where Evan was, was just that. At some point, he just had fun. And, and then as he got older and wanted to take it up serious, and then that's when I pushed him on other things, like for, for in the sport and other things. But we don't, have, we don't allow the kids to do it. So for me to want to better the sport, I'd rather bring the kids out and just let them bowl. Have fun with them, talk with them, joke with them. Let them enjoy what they're doing there that day. And if they shoot a hundred, they shoot a hundred, right? They, they, they didn't hurt nobody. Let them enjoy, it. you know. And, and that's where I think that why we lose the kids from IBCs. They're not enjoying it anymore. It's not, it's not fun for them, right? Let's make it fun for them again. Let's let them enjoy the game. And at the end of the day, I think we could increase maybe, but it's hard to say, right? Like you just got to get the you got to get everybody involved to let them enjoy it. Yeah. So for me, would be if I was to go out to be one of the coaches again and for the kids, i just let them enjoy it. And if they want stuff, give it to them. You know, not harp on them every ball. That's not yeah. worth it. That's fun. That's, uh, that's a big part of, like, the LTAD and all that stuff coming as well. Um, it's, it's, it's all part of it, right? And uh, it's good. I mean, even us, we started doing questionnaires a couple of years ago for for the YBC kids to see you know what what exactly they want out of it because there are there are lots of kids that just want to go out and have a good time and that's that's totally okay and honestly it's it's a habit for me now when I'm coaching too it's like you know what if a if a kid's out there joking around having a good time but struggling I will just outright ask them if they want a hand and if they don't want a hand that's okay like it it, it that's absolutely fine the game brings a whole bunch of enjoyment to people on all sorts of different levels and that's that's totally okay but um with the ltad they are doing the you know uh training to compete um or or just you know training to just just you know understand the game so 
Um, there are different levels of it, and you just need to establish what that's going to be for for that person at the time. And then and then it can change. It can absolutely change. But first and foremost, the kids need to enjoy it. And first and foremost, the adults need to enjoy it. How many how many times have we heard adults say like this isn't fun or whatever? Like make it fun, have a good time. Well, you know what? Yeah, Weber, you're you're a good example sometimes. But at the same time, I mean, we talked about it. You know, we had that one tournament at at Olds for Masters the one year, and it was it was hard. We we struggled. It, tournament men, it was it was a challenge. And um, I think the winning, I think Gary Baird ran away with it and won by like. 200 with a with a 2100 and we were calling chops i remember very clearly that i'm pretty sure it was you ever that uh it was tim's final frame and we said he was going to go double chop to get to like 199 or something <laughs> and and we called it like ball for ball it was double chop 199 and he owed you beer but uh, i mean at the end of the day it, it, you gotta have some fun and if you're not having fun we're not making a million dollars why are you here Absolutely. End rant. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very true. So I guess, you know, that, that kind of brings up a topic that I know I personally struggled with, you know, quite a, a lot over the last probably close to a decade. And uh, just having Mike on the podcast this week um, kind of really brings it kind of around full circle um is uh, and i know i'm not the only person out there that's starting to kind of lose the love for the sport and trying to bring that love and that passion back uh, for 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 me it's you know it, it's become more of a job than than have that that fun aspect to it uh fun leagues aren't fun to me anymore at, at all they never really have been and uh uh I, I know there's got to be other people out there that are, that are struggling with this. And, and I believe we talked about, you know, Lonnie Akers a little while back, right? You, you kind of get into a bit of a funk where you're still very competitive, uh, but, but you're just having a hard time kind of breaking back through and, and getting uh, to that next level again. Uh, is there anything that you guys as, you know, pros of this sport, um, have you dealt with any of those demons and how have you overcome them? Um, I guess for my side of it, there was a, a few years ago, kind of after I won Regina and then made a, a few big Masters tournaments in a row, um, where I didn't play very good. I, I made a couple cuts here and there and I really lost interest. But the only thing I was playing was uh, I was playing Wednesday match play up in Edmonton. And I was still playing Red Deer match play, but I wasn't playing anything else. And I was, I was kind of drained competing almost every day at the one sport that I thought I was really decent at and wasn't showing results, I guess. So I took a step back. I uh, dropped the Monday night league in Red Deer. And then I just joined a small league actually here in my local town um, just with some friends just to have some fun doing a sport and didn't give um any flying you know what uh and actually really got interested in it again was just playing the game to have fun actually switched up my bowling shot a little bit wasn't throwing a backup anymore started throwing a hook from different lines and it really piqued my interest when i found a different avenue to play the sport 
and now I'm doing it with uh, Dexter up in Sherwood Park because our local center is closed down here where I live. And now I joined a fun league up in Sherwood Park with Dexter and those guys. And I still have the same feeling. I'm up there. I'm throwing whatever shot I decide to shoot that night. And it makes it um, more interesting to me because, it, like you said, it, it can get boring. It can get frustrating. You're playing the same shots. Nothing's working. Or even if it is working, it, it's still boring if you continuously play the same thing over and over and over. So for me to get over, I just... I just changed things and and I have become competitive again as of late and I really do think that was the reason because if I didn't do that I probably wouldn't be playing anymore yeah I remember the one night that we were doing uh outside and inside so we had to play the uh <laughs> The furthest, uh, so yeah, Carrie Carrie took the easy way out. He went, he took he took the outsides. So he had to play like the on the left lane. He had to he had to throw the ball with a uh, within the first five boards on the left hand side of the lane, and on the right hand lane he had to throw it within uh, the first five boards on the right hand side of the lane and have it hooked back in uh, and and see how we scored. And then he gave me the inside, so I'm hugging the ball return, trying to trying to shoot it, shoot it within the first five boards, and I, I just want everybody to know I crushed him. <laughs> I thought Mama didn't raise no fool, but I didn't know who I was playing against. <laughs> Little did you know I've practiced those shots. No, but the st stuff like that is fun because you know what? You never know when you're gonna need you know something different. I remember the one year I hadn't. I throw back up like all the time. And there was the one year at Masters in Red Deer that I got sick of it. I was not scoring well. And it's my last game. And honestly, I was pretty well done for that tournament anyways. But I looked at Carrie and I was like, I'm going to throw my hook ball. And I shot a hook ball and I shot 405. <laughs> and I was like, why am I not playing this all the time? But you never know when you're going to need a shot. And maybe maybe changing rotation isn't something that people do very often. It's not something I do very often. But you just, you just never know. It's nice to have options. So use use your fun league to do stuff like that. Um, Sean McKinnon has been texting me all week because uh, he, he he's not sitting where he wants to sit for Masters. But uh, it's been a, a, a big eye-opener uh, to him playing in it. And, and that's a good thing. Um, He's asked me lots of questions, and uh, the, the biggest thing I told him, something we've discussed before, is that I, I always look for what's going to give me the biggest room for error. Um, and that, and sometimes sometimes that means playing different lines or, you know, different different bowling balls, even though some of us don't change anymore, Mikey. Uh, we'll, we'll see how long that lasts. Um, but uh, it, it's doing whatever you can to throw the ball, freewheeling, and getting the results you want, and and that that was his response. Is like that's how you guys make it look so easy, is because you're 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 giving yourself the biggest room for error. Um, you you can't be perfect all the time, but I think I think that's really cool that you do that, Carrie, because I think, you know, whether it's a fun league or not, and whether you're screwing around or not for the night, and just trying something different, who knows when you're gonna need that shot, you know? Yeah, it could come in handy at some point. Yeah, and like. It wasn't, I guess, it, that wasn't the reason I started doing it. It was just the change up 
the the routine, but it's definitely something now that in the last couple of years I've definitely practiced. Where it, I actually did it it my last year playing Bonnie Dune and Heritage. I played Bonnie Dune one way and I played Heritage the other way, and I played well in both houses with two different, completely different shots, different rotations. So it's something to have in my back pocket, and I've used it a couple times. Um, Autumn Open, I think last year. I qualified for the 40s with a hook shot and first game it didn't play very good in the in the top 40 qualifying of eight. So then I switched to my backup and I end up climbing up and getting into the 16s. So it's nice to have something else to, to go to. And to answer Adam's question, I guess that's, that's the struggle I had was uh, the monotony of it. And I'm glad I, I decided to go that path. Um, I, I'll answer mine, I guess. Uh, I think uh, Adam hit it right on the head there. I, I, I struggle with it a lot, a lot of the times too. Uh, I think maybe my situation is a little bit different. Maybe Dex and I are, we've all been part of associations and, and work and stuff. But I mean, I, I don't think there's a time other than <laughs> if I'm not bullying my own center that I'm not not working right or, or dealing with something. So it just it it becomes monotony to me a lot of the time. Um, like for example, like we're, we're going to play the open and then, you know, I had to do all my announcements beginning, you do all your setup, you had to make sure lane draws, right. You got to do, you know, you have directors help out, but you're, you're, you're not really focused on the bowling until, you know, 145 or 1245 when the lanes go on. Right. So that's sort of something that I guess Dex and I, or anybody who's worked in a bowling center or whatnot have come, become accustomed to, but in a, in a way, I think it's kind of a, it's kind of, I, I think, maybe uh, it's uh, one of my strengths in a way because we're used to distractions. We're used to stopping and going. We're used to uh, chaos, I guess you can say, when you're supposed to be on your own time. And and we end up, you know, being able to recover or be able to ignore that and move on. So I think that is a, a strength as well as, a, you know, is kind of the thing like that. But for me, I, I don't know. I, uh, I don't think I would be – I, I do it because I, I feel like I'm – good at it and you feel like it's a chore right adam uh you feel like the reason why you're doing it is because you're good at it and you feel like you don't want to stop doing it because you feel like you're going to lose it right and, and that's kind of what we're at sometimes um i don't know i i enjoy it like if we if we didn't play the fun league on thursday carrier decks i you know i we joined that fun league i think when uh we just a bunch of buddies wanted to play and and we kind of made an excuse because we all kind of grew up, grew, uh, we graduated high school. We didn't have anything to do. We didn't see each other that often. It was kind of our, uh, a way, excuse to see each other once a week. Um, and then it become, it came boring and we quit. I think I quit for a year or two. And then all of a sudden, uh, it's funny, Katie Rainer's husband wanted to play. And he was so wanting to play. And it just kind of caught on. And I look forward to it once a week because I know we're going to go out for supper after. We know. So... I, I guess bowling's become more of a, I can take it or leave it, but I, I enjoy the people and that's what keeps me around. I think, you know, and, and obviously winning helps a little bit, <laughs> but, but it's funny. It, it's, it's a sport where you feel like you're, you're pulling away from it and all of a sudden you have a good weekend or something and you get suckered back in right away. Right. So, um, I do, I enjoy it more for the people. You don't make a million bucks from it. You enjoy the wins. You enjoy the, the championships, but uh, yeah, that's why I guess I'm still playing. 
Yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, pretty much exactly what Tim has to say. Um, I think that Thursday night league. I, I know. I know Adam doesn't really enjoy the fun leagues, but uh, th- Thursday night's done wonders for me. Uh, I. It's just. I've wanted to play in it for so long, but I was working nights for a really long time, and uh, I eventually got off nights and started to being able to play Thursday nights, and it's been the best thing ever. I, I would much rather do that over. We were playing Wednesday nights. For a long time. I think I've played Wednesday night since I was 15 years old, and I've probably played it for 12 years, something like that. And um, it just got to the point where I wasn't enjoying it. I'm just not an angry person. Uh, I just, I, even even if you ever watch me bowl, um, like singles events and stuff like that, I'm, I'm never at the lane. I'm always up top. I'm always talking to people uh, because I can't sit there and think about bowling all the time and I just uh, uh, the biggest part of the game for me is the socialization part of it and being around all my friends and I, I think I think me switching from bowling Wednesdays to bowling Thursdays and just playing with some of my absolute best friends um, that uh, that the enjoyment really came back for it. Uh, we play it a Sunday night match play league too and I really like the league. Pe- the people are really good. Uh, it's good and competitive. Um, but it's still not like cutthroat. Uh, the A bowlers um, were pretty competitive amongst each other. But uh, the and Thursday night, I mean, I, like I, I have a bet with Katie Rayner every year, and you know every year she ends up having to do something really stupid at the banquet. But it's just it's just fun. <laughs> it's just it's just you have to find ways to have fun <coughs> while doing it. Because like again, like I said, we're not making a million dollars enjoy it and and for me it's just being around the people so moving from wednesdays to thursdays and enjoying going to a league uh really really revitalized me playing and and my game has gotten way better since i i stopped you know hating going to league on wednesday because just it was just so negative all the time and i and and it just just not who i am Hey Dex, was your bet with Katie Rayner or something or along the lines of like Rochambeau? Uh, no, I'm not an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> hey Tim, has that bet been uh, booked yet or what? Oh, it's 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 already over. It's done. Yeah. <laughs> well, what about the consequence? I, if I was if I was Dexter, I'd be playing to, for him to kick me in the nuts. Maybe he can steal that off Katie during his bet. That's actually a really good. <laughs> if we could do that at the banquet, that would be even better. Whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> You'd sell a lot more banquet tickets. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I might even come down for Calgary for that one. <laughs> what about you, Mikey? Well, you know, for me, because I started later, right, the game a little bit later and took it up. There, but there was a time um, that I took, I actually took it too serious. Like, I, I wanted to be one of the best. I wanted to work at whatever I needed to do to get there, and I worked so hard to do it. And then at one point, it was, I, it was just anger. Like, it was just too much anger in that. And you know what? It took away from the game. Um it was probably, I want to say, to like 98, 99, I was sitting third in with three games left in St. Albert. 
to make the team. And I never made the team. I didn't even make the mixed team. And I actually virtually threw my stuff in the back of my truck. And I didn't play for almost a month and a half, two months. Um, I didn't want to do it anymore. And then uh, one time, and this is actually was at the time, Evan come up to me and he said, well, he says, if you quit, I quit. And I'm like, well, why is that? He says, well, you, you're quitting because you're, you know, things didn't work out the way you wanted them to. And I said, no, I said, well, that's one. But I said, the other reason I'm quitting is because how, how mad I got at the other at the other hand. I, then that's when virtually where I developed my my uh, my program for coaching. Right. It, then I finally realized it was all about fundamentals. You know, and then then it brought the enjoyment back to the game. Right. You because. You know, you realize you're you're going to be good and you're going to be bad. You know, there's you know you're going to be the days where you're average, which is all right. Like it's all right to be average. Mm-hmm. But um, at one point in time, like you know, to play, make masters teams or make the open teams out of Edmonton, you you had to play well. And you know, I wasn't consistent enough. And then when I finally realized it, and you know, play the fun leagues. I love fun leagues. I'm not going to lie. I usually play with my wife. Now we. You know, move to Calgary. We we're just a little bit late getting here to play, but I love playing a fun league all the time. I, I just didn't. It's just something different, right? And then I like to watch people bowl, so then get to see how other people bowl, and you know, I just I enjoy it. I enjoy the fun leagues. Yeah. I mean, I play Monday night match play here at Toppler, and it's an adventure sometimes. I'm not gonna lie, like, but it, you know what? It's still fun. Like it's like we said, it's like the Sunday night match play league. The A bowlers and that are really competitive with each other, but it's still fun. You can still laugh and joke, and it's not. Um, I guess I like the old Wednesday nights how it used to be, right? Like it was. It, it's changed quite a. You know, the Wednesday night has changed quite a bit, but I mean, playing down here has changed quite a bit. I've actually now again, I'm actually enjoying the game again, and uh, it's really good. Right, but yeah, I, I agree. The fun leagues, I, I think the fun leagues are a necessity, except for you know, the the top end bowler Adam, right? You know, he doesn't like the fun leagues, but <laughs> no, no I just don't like bowling. Cut Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't like bowling. <laughs> it's, not, it's not even fun leagues. I don't know. Like for for, for myself, um, I I think it just became to a point where you start really taking you know, the, the talent for granted. And then you just keep going. And it's like I said, it's the monotony side of it. You're, you're doing the same thing over and over. You're going to these leagues and, you know, you're top two, top three every year. And it's the same league over and over. It's a, it, to, to me, it just got really boring, I think, also. Uh, but all the fun leagues, I, I couldn't play five-player teams. And it, it just drove me crazy just how long in between frames. So I think that's where my, more of my, my dislike of, of fun leagues. I, I totally understand their purpose. Uh, if you can actually treat them as a fun league. Um, I, I know uh, up until a couple of years ago, I, I went through about seven, eight year stretch where I hated bowling. Just absolutely hated it. Didn't want to do it anymore. I knew the talent level was there, so you just keep bowling because you're still making money. Uh, you're still, you know, trying to compete. You're still trying to win, but the success wasn't there. And I, I think, you know, you start living in the past a little bit. And uh, you know, I had a couple of really good conversations. Uh, one that always, you know, really stick out with me is uh, Greg Gigliak. 
at uh, actually at Matt Cole's wedding. Uh, we had a, a really good conversation there, and it, it, it kind of brought me back a little bit. Uh, but of course, you know, my, Mike Lacousier here, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, hi, highly instrumental of, of getting me back into a, a proper routine and just get back in the right mentality again. And, uh, you know, becoming a little bit more positive and making the game a little bit more fun. And, and then, honestly, I think that the best tournament that uh, that I played the last two years uh, to just to kickstart the league were uh, that little 20 game marathon that Sh- uh, Sherwood puts on. And uh, not, not only do you get, you know, 20 games of, of early practice in, uh, but it is a totally fun environment. And uh, you kind of kickstart the year just with a little bit more fun. But uh, thank you, Mike, for, for, you know, bringing me back. Now I'm starting to enjoy the game a little bit more. <laughs> you should be enjoying I, it. You're the man on top at the moment, so. Yeah. He's Number on the bottom one. right of my screen, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think that, I you know, Alberta, we... we we strive to be the best. I think there's so much uh, competitiveness out here. Uh, we were born to compete. We're born to, you know, to play all the time with Masters, uh, with her five-pin events, with her WCBT. I, I think we kind of lose focus and all that stuff, right? We, we, I think it's just part of what we, we developed out here, and I think it's maybe sometimes what we lack, too, in a way. It's finding that fun out of it. Yeah, yeah and... Uh, but I think I think that's kind of the great thing about the cash tournaments too is that there is a good mix of it. I mean, we are it's it's the highest level of the game. It's incredibly competitive. But you you got 150 of your friends in one building for a weekend, and everybody sits down and chats and has a good time. And you know when you're not bowling, you're hanging out with people. I know uh, one person called it the Western Canadian drinking tour. Um, but that's not what it's about, guys. It's it's not it's not that we're all out there, you know, everyone's getting wasted or whatnot. It's not about that. It's about people bowling, competing, and then enjoying each other's company and having a good time because that is such an important part of the game. So I don't I don't care if somebody thinks it's the Western Canadian drinking tour. Um, I still think it's the 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 best tour that we've ever had, and there's a reason why it continues to grow, and that's because you need to enjoy it too. I could definitely see the Friday nights being, you know, kind of more of that style, the, the drinking tour side yeah, of it. But, but that's, that, the that, that, that's the whole idea of the event, right? Yeah. Uh, pretty, pretty much every, you know, tour stop has that event to, to bring the fun aspect to it. Because when you think about it, the majority of the rest of that weekend is very highly stressful activity. Uh, that, you know, break in the event to make sure that there isn't as much, you know, yeah, s- stupidness out there, people hitting stuff, right? Because they do have that little bit of enjoyment. But I, I totally agree. Just, just uh, getting out to, to these, you know, tour stops and uh, just seeing all the people that are out there and having those 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 chats. That that's literally what kept me in the game more than anything is the people. I, I couldn't imagine walking away from from you know the bowling community, the bowling family. Um, the bowling itself isn't always the be all end all but uh you know losing some of those friendships that that would probably kill me yep we see 
we see more of these people on a regular basis than a lot of us see our own families, right? So um, it's just such a huge part of our life. So yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. All right. Um, how about uh, something to the effect of uh, how do, how we can all give back to the game with uh, with regards to uh, I, I know Edmonton Five Pin was involved in in a casino here. What uh, about two weeks back, Timmy? Last week, last, maybe. Last week, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, some some of the bingo, some of the volunteering, you know, side of it. Um, I, I know a lot of people, you know, are able to get out there and coach, you know, the YBCs and stuff like that. Um, what are some of the other ways that, you know, people maybe who can't get out there and coach, uh, how how can how can we give back? Um, I guess that there's been stuff over the years that have kind of popped up to offer that somebody that can't get out there every week and like you said, go coach there. Uh, the WCBT brought the youth clinics in for the pros to give a little bit back. Um, Tom Patterson runs a bowling school. I'm not sure if that's by invite only or how that works, but that's only once a year. Um, or joining an association. A lot of the smaller associations only get together once in a blue moon, right? So I, those those are options if people are looking to help out because as we know volunteers are very hard to come by so even once a year maybe joining um, a local association to help run a POA event or something like that that or even maybe even the centers maybe they're running tournaments and they need people to help out and stuff like that that would be kind of my thought process donating money to people is always good <laughs> If you want to yeah. donate money to the associations, Adam, that'd be fantastic. That's one way to be, give back. But uh, be, be, become a Patreon member. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Five Pin Universe would love that. <laughs> yeah, um, I guess that's my thoughts yeah. on it. There's, there's like at least uh, semi-annual stuff that you can do. I think there's, there's lots of little things you could do. Uh, right now we're starting to see this big trend on like social media and stuff and you know we're having all these different me five pin bowling memes coming out on facebook and instagram and stuff like that and as little as that may seem um i love it i think it's great anything that we could do to keep bowling at the front of mind and keep people excited i think is really important so even like the little things like that i'm totally all for it's just little fun things and that's great um the the biggest thing that I could say to like uh, not even just higher average highest average bowlers or you know elite level or um, you know even 200 average and stuff like that you know if you see a young kid struggling or something like that and he he looks like you know he's coming up in the game and he, and he needs a hand or something don't be afraid to talk to people don't be afraid to be um, approachable I think. I think being approachable with kids that are coming up in the game, um, whether you coach on a regular basis or not, um, they're watching, especially at TPC and tournaments like that. Um, I think it means the world to a lot of the kids if, you know, you just sit there and listen and, you know, you say hi. Uh, honestly, it's amazing how little things like that go a long ways. Invite them over to, you know, come and have a drink and sit down and chat with me or whatnot. Um, it goes a long ways. 
and and I think it I think it keeps people in the game too, um, so that they're not intimidated by people that are at the highest level of the game. Um, we're all just people too, and it's it it's important for kids and and people getting to that point to know that. So be approachable. I think is the biggest thing I could say. Uh, I I think it's awareness. I think a lot of it is is just making people aware of the situation that's going on. How many times have you grown up and said, you know what, I did not know about this event or I did not know this was going on over how many times, right? If, Carrie, if you were in Tahasco and if Rob didn't push you or, you know, pass that information along, you would never know about some of these things, right? No, um, and I think that's where we're losing a lot of the focuses. I mean, social media is great and all, but I, I, think, um, I think there's a disconnect and, you know, and, and Dex and I can, you know, we can take blame on this sometimes too. We try to push everything through as proprietors in our center and stuff like that, but we can miss things. Uh, but there's a lot of proprietors out there just, just put, don't announce things, don't push things forward. They open the door, you know, and expect things are going to be the way they are, right? And and I think it's it's only fair to the bowlers out there, whether they're POA or they're scratch or or whether they're older youth, we, we can find different things for these people to, to participate in if they so choose to. Um, there's always a niche for certain people out there. And I think uh, I think that's what we try, at least as the Edmonton Five Pin Association, is try to push people in the right direction. And to be honest with you, I think we just have so many people. I don't, maybe we're not necessarily doing it, the, you know, the best we can, but I think we do it better than we have in the past. Um I think awareness on what's going on and making things like understand what's going on and pushing people in the right direction. Um, the other thing is to like sort of, you know, we talk about youth a lot, but I think it is up to us to develop our youth a little bit um, and I'll also push them in the right direction. Uh, the critical point is when you're 18 to about 22, 23 is when you go to school, you know, you, you graduate high school, you go to university, money might be tight and stuff like that. And I think we do a great job here in Edmonton and, you know, with Mike being down in Calgary and Adam being there before, they can probably attest to that. You, you try to move these kids in the right direction. Uh, I think a lot of the program directors out there don't necessarily push the kids in the right direction. As soon as they graduate, that's it, you know, <laughs> and it's over with. And I don't think we try to continue on. We develop these bowlers for 15 years or 16 years and we don't move them on, right, in the right direction. So I think that's where we can really probably – Better, better bowling, I think, in my opinion, for the most part, other than joining an association or doing stuff like that. See, I try to give back by coaching. Mm-hmm. Since everything I have now, I, I offer to everybody. Like, it's not, yep. you know, and it, you know, it, whatever people get from it to get from it, but I'm willing to do it at any given time. Like, right now, like, I got lots of free time, so, like, I try and do as much as I can. Some people take advantage of it. Some people don't. That's, you know, that's people's choices. Like, you know, do what you, you know, you want to do. Right. But that's how I, I give back to the sport Yeah. right now. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I think it's, it, it's not yeah. just coaching, right. I, a lot of it to, to, to me is mentoring. Yeah. Right. I, Cause I, the coaching is one thing, but even just being able to have those talks and like Dex says, you know, just being approachable. And I, I don't think enough of the, kind of the, the younger bowlers or even, you know, pure YBC bowlers really understand how approachable the pros are. 
and uh, the, the the pros will talk at, at any time, but we might not like actively seek out conversations, but we'll never turn one down, right? So if if anybody has questions like that, I, I get texts and messages all the time from all over Canada, just just number one chat about the game, which is really cool. Um, but uh, just getting my take on on a scenario where uh, you know what can I, I improve on or. Um, you know, to really pushing people, you know, somebody like a Rob Wolfson or, or a Chris Hislop in my, in my personal experience, right? I'm just trying to push those people to the next level or, you know, uh, talking with Brad uh, Tickat on, you know, every Wednesday for, for three years, right? And just to kind of discussing situations with him and, uh, and then it's fun watching them kind of flourish, right? So that's, uh, and then the social media, uh, hell, what about this podcast? Right. I, I really think, you know, being able to, to get some of the views out there and uh, not everybody's going to enjoy the views or um, really agree with, with everything that, that we say. But at least, you know, we're, we're helping to, to, to push that out there. The, the meme pages out there are awesome. I love them. Um, and then the, the other social media, especially from you, Tim, um, the, the, the sheer amount of, of bowling info that, that you help push through the organizations and other organizations and just kind of use, you know, the, the, the contacts that you have and, and really push that sport. Uh, it, it's really phenomenal in this area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, just to touch on the approachability, um, just because, yeah, like you guys were saying, just because the pros aren't seeking people out to talk to them doesn't mean they're not approachable. They just may be just as introverted as maybe the person that's looking for help too, right? Um, main thing is don't be abrasive. Don't try and um, rib the pro if they're if they're struggling and you, you're looking for some insight from them, but you, you think coming in there with a joke maybe not be the best approach to it. But, uh, yeah, like, it's fun helping out people that ask for it. If they ask for help, I'm there to, I'm personally there to help anybody that asks me too. And I've even asked, um, especially people on Monday night, there's a few bowlers there that are fairly new or have come back to the game. And I, I even go out and ask them how, why they're doing something they're doing because it, it helps my game too. Uh, not gonna lie, nobody's perfected this game, so um, asking for help from other pros is always a good thing too, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's nothing I mean, more. There's nothing more satisfying than watching some of those guys that that you have had those conversations with or really pushed, watching them succeed. Uh, I still remember a couple of years ago with uh, Rob Wilson when he ended up winning Calgary for for the Open. Yeah. And uh, I, I think I had won the, the Edmonton that year. And uh, I called him just to congratulate him. And I was over the absolute moon. Like, I could care less what, what I'd accomplished. Uh, I've never been so proud of the guy. Right. So, you know, just, just being able to, to, to offer that assistance at, uh, at our level, uh, trust me, it pays off in the end. Yeah. Yep. So, the listeners out there, do not be afraid to come and ask us questions. Well, even when I practice, if I'm out there practicing and a YBC kid wants to come up, I let him practice with me. Yeah. It doesn't matter absolutely. if it's my practice time or not. Like, if yeah. I just tell him, like, this is my practice time and I have a regiment I do, you're going to do it with me. We're mm-hmm. just not going to throw balls. Like, you're, there's a purpose behind when I practice. Like, so 
I mean, and a lot of times, every time I've had a YBC kid come up and do it, they've absolutely loved it, right? So, um, but yeah, you know, agreeable, approachable. If you're not approachable, it's you're sort of killing the game, right? So, um, we're we're all still in this game because we enjoy the people, and if we if we weren't, you know, friendly, talkative people, we wouldn't still be in this game chatting with all these people all the time. Yeah. Come and talk to us. Absolutely. Um, it's like, thank everybody coming out. Mike Lacusia, especially you, our 2017 WCB2 champion. It was pretty cool. Uh, sucks I lost to you in the final, but uh, it was pretty cool to see you hoist that trophy. It was pretty awesome. Thanks for coming out, guys. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Mikey. Thanks, guys.